0: the book of Exodus chapter 14 today, and I'm going to do my best to share what I believe the Lord has put on my heart um, that is what the theme of uh, what is happening in in the church world today. And I'm not going to get talking about that because I'll, I'll talk instead of preach and there's just too much to talk about, but God is doing some very special things in the land. He's doing amazing things in the land, and uh, I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing. I don't want to get ahead of God. I don't want to lag behind God. I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing, and I want to be a church of God, and I ask you to pray for me that uh, as I lead us, that I will make sure that, that I can do my best to hear what saith the Lord to us and um, as a body so that we can move forward as God would have us to move forward. But that's what I want to talk about today. A very familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to just talk about on the theme of forward. And uh, Exodus chapter 14, we'll only read two verses of Scripture in the verse 21 and 22. Now, I know you stood for worship, but if you don't mind, will you stand one more time as we read the Word together today? And just two verses, and then you can be seated. The Bible says that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Tell your neighbor before you sit down and say, God's got you covered. Will you do that today? God's got you covered. Then you can be seated. It's probably one of the most familiar stories in all the Bible. Uh, Israel had, uh, under Moses' leadership, had left Egypt being led by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. And uh, the Bible specifically says that God took them a route that would be the hardest route to go. There was a shorter route and there was an easier route. But God decided to take them the long way around Because the Bible says that if they want the shorter route, and when I say easier, I mean terrain-wise, that they would encounter enemies and warfare, and God knew that His people don't like to fight. And so He said, well, I'll take them the long way around, because if they fight, they will get weary, and uh, they'll want to go back to Egypt. And uh, that's a sermon for another day. But He took them the long way around and took them to the Red Sea. And when they get to the Red Sea, we know the story. We know that there they stood out in the middle of the desert. Uh, the Red Sea in front of them, wilderness around them, and Pharaoh's army behind them. The Bible says that Pharaoh, we know, believers know, that know this story, knows that Pharaoh said, I want to get them, bring them back home. Uh, they, what am I doing? He went after them. And the people began to murmur and begin to complain and thought and said, he's led us out here to die. They actually have said it would be better to die and bury it in Egypt than die out here without a grave. They literally said that. And so they were murmuring against the leader, and they were angry and all of that. And so yet God shows up, as God does in times of, of difficulty. And God said to the leader, He said, "Tell the people they're going to go forward." Now, the Red Sea was forward. An insurmountable thing was in front of them, something that could not be done. I mean, let alone if they had boats, I mean, that would have been hard enough, but they didn't have a boat. They didn't have the ability to get across, and yet God says, go through, go forward, you're going forward. And so this was what the man of God believed because he heard from God. And whenever God gives us a word, we have to believe what saith the Lord. Israel was in a tight place. They were in a bad position. And Moses had heard from God, however, and, and uh, he had been given the order, as I said, to move them forward. Now, I read this story and I can almost see the nation of Israel crowding uh, around the edge of the water, fear uh, def- uh, grasping them. Uh, fear was traveling throughout the entire camp. Murmuring was going throughout the entire camp. They just knew that slavery or death was their future. But Moses had told them to go forward. Moses obeyed the instructions of God. He stood on the shore, and he held, the Bible said, the rod of God in his hand. And he stood there all night long with that rod over the sea. And the Bible says that when he was obedient to God, that God sent a strong wind from the east That begin to blow all night long. Now, when I preach and teach this, I've told you all before that uh, we get in our mind the picture of Charlton Heston in the movie, The Ten Commandments. If you've seen that, that's an old movie. A lot of you young people have probably never seen it. But in that movie, Charlton Heston, who plays Moses, stands there, and he has the rod of God in his hand, but he holds his hands up, and I remember the line. You've seen the movie. You remember the line, you old folks like me? He said, behold the hand of God. And when he said, behold the hand of God, the movie has the waters just peeling back like you peel in an orange. And it just peels back and they walk through in amazement. But that's not what the Bible says. I'm not here to argue about a movie. That's not my point. My point is I don't want you to think about the movie. I want you to think about the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord said tell, tell the people to go forward and the Bible said that God sent a wind all and it blew all night long. Now we sometimes think that if God doesn't move in a five minute prayer that God ain't gonna move. We sometimes think that if God doesn't move by a, a little bit of time in the prayer room, that I guess answered prayer is not in my future. I mean, If God doesn't move it during the worship service for goodness sakes, I, I, I guess my future is dim. But church, I want to tell you, and I'll, I'll talk more about it, but sometime it takes more than that little lay-me-down-to-sleep prayer. It takes more than a five-minute session in an altar. Sometime God's got to move all night long. Sometime God's got to move all month long. Sometimes God's got to move all year long because you know what God is waiting on? God is waiting on somebody that'll believe him, that'll say it don't matter if it's five minutes, five months, five years, 500 years, I'm going to believe God for a miracle. Somebody help me give God a praise right now, will you? I tell you, God's going to move. And when God is moving, you know, we trust the timing of God, but I'll talk more about that in a minute. So the Bible says that the wind was blowing. Well, you Bible folks know that the word wind is where we get the word spirit or breath. It literally was the breath of God. God literally from heaven's portals looked down to an obedient leader standing with his rod out over the sea, mumbling, grumbling folks behind him, and God goes, and as God begins to blow, the waters begin to part. And when the waters begin to part, the people see the miracle, miracle of God unfolding. Hey, Berea Church of God, do you believe that you can see the miracle of God unfold right before your eyes? I do too. So we got to just trust that God will move. But, but here's, here's what happens when God tells us to go forward. The first thing that, that happens many times is that God tells us that we got to take a risk. Now, I don't know about all of y'all, but, but I'm not a risk taker. I mean, I'm just not. I, I'm not a risk taker. I, I, I struggle with risk. And there's reasons for that that I won't go into. Uh, maybe you can go with me to see a psychiatrist someday and we'll get all that figured out. But I'm not a risk taker by nature. But there's a lot of times that when God speaks to a life and somebody decides they're going to be obedient to God, don't you admit, won't you admit, that it takes a risk for you to stand up and stand out and make a statement that I've heard from God? I mean, that, that, that's a risk right there. Because we know that many times leaders have to take the risk if they want to see results. Uh, because like, like when you speak faith, It's like somebody standing up when you've been sicker than a dog or you've gotten a terrible report at the doctor or whatever it might be and you stand up before a church full of people and you say, I believe the Lord is going to heal my body. That's taking a risk. When somebody, when those three walked out today and they stood before a full house of people and they climbed some steps into a pool of water and I said, do you confess you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they all three said, yes, I do. They literally are taking a risk. You know what they're risking? They're risking that what if they don't live up to the testimony? What if they falter sometime in the future? What if something happens in their life where somebody, I think, well, I was there when they were baptized and they've gone back on their word and all. Oh, no, see that's taking a risk. Every time you stand up and do anything for God, you're taking a risk. Every time you make a statement of faith, you're taking a risk. Every time you teachers and preachers and men and women of God open your mouth and declare the word of the Lord, you're taking a risk. But I want to tell you, no risk, no reward. I want to say it one more time. No risk, no reward. I want to tell these folks over here, no risk, no reward. I'm telling you, oh, well, glory to God. Somebody's got to stand up and say, I've heard from God. The Lord has spoken into my life. The Holy Ghost said God has promised, and I'm standing on the promise of God. Somebody help me praise him in the house today. No risk, no reward. Moses acknowledged the problem. Diana and I have been to many leadership meetings and And I learned years ago by a wonderful teacher of leadership that the first job of a leader is to define reality. Moses did not make up where they were. He did not try to overlook where they were. He didn't say, well, that ain't a big deal. I tell you, whenever you go to the doctor and they x-ray you and they call you into the office and take their pen, and I've seen it done, not to me, but to others I've pastored, and they draw with their pen a circle around something and they say, that's a tumor. Or they draw their picture around something and say, that's a blockage. Or they show you blood work and says, we need to do something further. Or take it, take it more. Somebody walks in and says, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Or, or, or the boss sends you a, a something in, by email now that says, on such and such date, your job is no longer needed. Whatever it might be, there are people all the time that say things like, well, ain't that big a deal? Well, if you just have faith in God, well. If you just trust the Lord, well. If you just hold your mouth right, well. If you just sing the song right, well. If you just never miss it, you get my point, right? But I want to tell you the reality is that sometime life stinks. Sometime people get sick. Sometimes people get laid off their job. Sometimes trouble comes. Sometimes there are red seas to cross and God says, go forward. And you say, I don't see how in the world I can make this happen, but the reality is that Moses saw God above the Red Sea. Hallelujah to God. Moses trusted the word of the Lord more than he trusted what he saw. Can I get a witness from somebody? I mean, when he saw the Red Sea, but God said, no, you tell the people to go forward. And Moses, not one time is it recorded in the Bible where he questioned God or questioned how. He just said, folks, God said that we're gonna go forward and I'm gonna believe the report of the Lord. Now let's go forward. And God's gonna get us to the other side. Well, praise God forever. Is anybody gonna help me praise him? I, I'm telling you, I just, I just love him. He defined the reality and he took a risk and he pulled a Mark 10:51 that had not been written yet. When Jesus said that, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, I want to see. God was saying to Moses, what do you want? And Moses was saying, I want to get across because you said we were. He then quoted before it was written, Mark 11, 22, 23, where Jesus said, have faith in God. If any man will say to this mountain, be thou plucked up by your roots, be be removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He believed the report of the Lord. So I want to just remind you, Berea Church of God and our guest today, that God says to us that if if you want to see the hand of God at work in your life, you're going to have to be willing to take a risk, and you're going to have to be willing to obey the word of the Lord, and you're going to have to be willing to do what God said do. Amen. So Moses was willing to take the risk, and the Bible said that he acknowledged the problem like leaders do, but then... Moses did not give up because it took time. Proverbs thirty and five says the weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. Acts ninety nine says that uh, Saul was there and laid for three days and couldn't see anything. Isaiah 40, 40, 31 says, and they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary and they shall walk and they will not grow faint. I want to tell you, don't give up. I said, don't give up. Berea Church of God, I said, don't give up. Don't ever stop. Don't ever quit. Don't give up because God has heard your prayer and God is moving on your behalf. Somebody, somebody acknowledge that right now. God is moving for you. If you hang in there, you're going to mount up with wings like an eagle. I mean, I could testify to several things in my life, and I'm not going to. I'm not here to testify. I'm here to preach. But I will tell you that there have been times in my life that I have walked through prolonged periods of struggle. I mean prolonged periods. Times, even years. The last big one I walked through lasted about three years. Three years of praying. Three years of God changed this. Three years of God turned this around. Three years of hoping that God would somehow move. And for three years, didn't seem like anything was happening. But I can tell you right now, I don't know the date. I wish I would have written it down. But I know the day it changed for me. It was on a Saturday. Back in the prayer room that Sister Opal was talking about that many of you have been to. If you want to get used or familiar with the prayer room, we'll show you where it's at. And you, you can help yourself to pray throughout the month of March there. It's a great place to pray. And I was in the prayer room on a Saturday morning praying the prayer again that I've been prayed for several years. And in a moment, God changed me. Now, I walked out of the prayer room. I was changed, but I came to church Sunday and nothing had changed except me. (laughs) And then whenever I got changed, I began to see this differently. Hallelujah to God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? See, you got to let God move in your life and you got to let God change your heart. You got to let God change your mind. You got to let God move on you because when he does, everything around you will change. Hallelujah to God. Well, glory be to Jesus. I'm telling you, it's time. I said it's time. It's past time to let God do a work in your life, a work in your heart, a work in your mind and give you a miracle because when he changes you, he'll change everything around you. Give him a great big praise right now, will you? Praise God. I began to testify like this. My testimony was, I was talking to my friend, uh, Jay David Stevens, who used to be state overseer for Kentucky. And he and I were talking on the phone one day and he was asking me about me and the church. And I remember telling him, I said, Brother Stevens, I got my mojo back. And he said, well, I'm glad to hear that. Now you ain't changed a lick, but I was. And so when I got my mojo back, I began to minister with new mojo. That's a 70s term for you young people. And I got that back. And I got that move, and I got all that back working in me. And I want to tell you, I'll skip ahead to 2023. I think I, for me, I'm testifying. I'm testifying. I think for me that I'm at one of the best places I've ever been in my walk with God. I'm as excited as I've ever been about ministry. I'm excited about the church more than I've ever been. I believe that God has put us in a good place and I believe the sky's the limit and I believe God's gonna blow the doors off the house and I believe we're gonna see the hand of God move like we've not seen and I believe that our sons and daughters are coming home. I believe you're gonna, oh, hallelujah. And I believe that God is gonna show us his glory. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't believe we've seen it yet, Randy. I really don't. I really don't. I believe what we're dealing with right now are these wonderful appetizers. Come on now, somebody. Come on now. We celebrated with a couple of our families yesterday, and they had some wonderful appetizers and food just to wet the whistle. And wanted more and wanted to eat some more. And that's what appetizers are meant to do. They, they wake up the palate and they get the digestion moving and they get you one and more. And I want to tell you, every time the Holy Ghost moves, I'm about to, I tell you, I wish, I, I'm, I'm going to keep saying that one day, I guess I'm just going to have to take a risk <laughs> and just try it. I'm just going to have to take a risk one day and see if I can make it off this platform with one leap of a giant bound, and then if I don't break both my legs, I think I might try to take me a run around this place and just shout the glory of the Lord. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house today. Well, come on, somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. And you gotta be, when, 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 you, when you allow God to move and you, and you see that it does sometimes take time, that if you wait upon the Lord, I mean, I've told you the story. I guess I'm testifying too much. I need to preach, preach. But I mean, I I just want to say it if I can. I mean, I remember going to my computer and pulling up Indeed.com. I'm telling you the truth. Indeed.com. Filled out a resume and put it out there on Indeed.com looking for a job. Didn't know what in the world I would do, but Indeed.com told me I would make a good car salesman. Yeah, that's what they told me. Then Indeed.com told me I would make a good uh, material handler. Now, I really ain't figured out what that is yet, but I know it means handle material. And so I, I was good at those. They said I could do those two things. And I was thinking, well, I'm more suited to some professional CEO work. I mean, where's a good corporation that needs a good CEO that would pay me about a quarter of a million dollars a year for my expertise. I mean, that's the kind of job I'm looking for. But you know what? Indeed.com never found me a job, never got me an interview, never got me a phone call, never had somebody ring my number because God was ringing my number. And because God was doing the work in my spirit, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary and they'll walk and they'll not grow faint. Hallelujah to God. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. I testified this week to my brother, my little mama over here in the terrace, 97 years old in April. My little mama prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Prayed when her children were laid out in sin. All three of her four came in, but the oldest never did. My older brother Paul never came in, but mom never stopped praying. She never gave up, drinking himself to death. Cirrhosis of the liver, hepatitis. On the last year of my brother's life, he served the Lord because my mama never stopped praying. Hey, mom and dad, don't ever give up. I don't know where your children are. I don't know how they're living. I don't know how deep in sin they are. But I'm telling you, don't ever give up. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. And they shall walk and they shall not faint. Hallelujah, don't ever give up. What are you praying for today? What have you sought God for that you've been praying about maybe three years? My mom prayed 49 years. 49 years. I'm sorry, he was four when they married, 45 years. My mom prayed for my brother since he was a five-year-old little boy, four-year-old little boy, she prayed for him 45 years. Prayed as a little boy, but then he's got older. Prayed for him to be saved, 45 years. Been a lot of people quit. Been a lot of people give up. But I know there were more people that prayed for Paul. I was one, but I didn't carry the burden like my mother. My mama never stopped. And my brother Paul has been enjoying heaven now for 24 years because I had a mama that would never stop praying. Don't give up. Don't give up. I just feel like the Lord has given me a burden and given me a vision for sons and daughters. I. Um, I had a daughter, not a physical daughter, a spiritual daughter. Facebook messaged me today and asked me to keep praying. That I, I will. God. Loves our sons and daughters. I have been in the book of Joel and I'm away from my outline so much now I don't think I'll go back to it but I've been in the book of Joel for a while teaching it here on Wednesday night. I love the book of Joel. I've read the Bible through many times and I've read the book of Joel many times preached out of Joel many times but I've never seen this past few weeks how prominent in Joel are the sons and daughters it is a theme of Job, it really is it's toward young people younger people why do you think that revival is broken out on college campuses me think about that i mean there are churches that have broken out in revival but you know all they're doing is following the revival that's broken out on college campuses many of those college students are bringing revival to their churches i baptized two today praise god and <clears throat> sons and daughters carry with them lineage and hope for the future Old men dream dreams. You know what that means? That means that Opal and Steve and people in their 60s and older think about what things used to be like. Now, thank God we're fresh, but you get my point. Older people are prone to think about the good old days. Well, I remember when revivals lasted for, you know, those, those kind of guys. Well I remember kids would sleep under the pews and not have to go home for school the next day. Well good, good. I remember those days too. I was one of the kids that slept under pews. I was one of them. Mom would lay us on pews. I mean, I remember those days and I and I praise God for those days. I remember things that God has done. But most of my life now is looking back. I'm 68. I'll be 69 on Wednesday if the Lord tarries is coming. That ain't young. And I'm looking back at what God has done. And I rejoice in what God has done. And I do that. I praise God that I'm fresh. But I do, most of my life now looks back. But it's these young ones that are looking forward. And churches are not built by looking back. They're built by looking forward. And revival doesn't come by looking back. Revival comes by looking forward. And there's a reason that God is pouring out a spirit on college students. I mean, it's it happened right down the road at Union. Hallelujah. I mean, Texas A&M, UK. I mean, just all over the nation. It started at Asbury. But I'm telling you, it's, it's sweeping the nation. It's not a figment of an imagination. It's not somebody's emotion. It's a, a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost that God is raising up young people. He's raising up young people because he loves our sons and our daughters. I don't care how bad your situation might be. I told my mother one time in my life not to pray for me. But my brother Paul told her often not to pray for him. But mom never stopped. Tom, would you come on up, please? My mother raised a little four-room house. You home folks know these stories, but four rooms. Mom and Dad had their bedroom, and the rest of us four kids shared the bedroom or slept on the couch. And Mom would go to her and Dad's bedroom, shut the door, get down on her knees, use her bed as an altar, and call all four of her children's name out to God. I remember walking through the house and hearing my mother say, Father God, save Paul Edwin. I remember her saying, Father God, save Stephen Durand. That's me. Save Susan Diane, my only sister. Save Myron Kelly, my little brother. And she would pray for us and call our names out and pray out loud. And I remember I wanted to open her bedroom door and say, don't, stop. I don't want to hear that. I got in real late one night and, and I, that's all I'll say. And, uh, and, 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 and I was laying in bed awake and mom had gotten up and was in the kitchen. I couldn't sleep, and I thought, well, I'll I'll go say hi to Mom. And I rolled out of my bed, and I walked in there to Mom. And I said, and I faked it. I said, I can't sleep, or I just washed, something like that. And I said, how you doing, something like that. And at first, she was at the sink. I was behind her. She never turned around. And she said, Stephen, I'm praying for you. That's when I told her not to pray for me. I said, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And I went back to bed. But it's music to my ears today. My little 96, almost 97-year-old mama don't pray now like she used to because of Alzheimer's. But Rose has a video of her. Rose went to visit her. One of the visits, we visit her all the time. And Rose was there before mom had gotten bad grandma started ministering to Rosebud and just speaking the word and praying we've walked in Heather's here and Heather's one of her caregivers and Heather told us one day she walked in to check on mom and mom was on her knees 96 years old on her knees by her bed praying grabbed Heather (laughs) said come on pray with me We got to pray right now. We got to pray right now. And bless Heather's heart. She got down there on her knees next to my mama and they prayed together. I want to tell you, that's music to my ears. It's joy to my heart. I got a picture of her. I walked in a room. She had her chair this time as her altar. Her 96-year-old knees on concrete floor. Face buried in a chair. Praying. I want to tell you, I'm a result of her prayer. Her kids are going to be in heaven because of her prayer. Her grandkids are going to be in heaven because of her prayer. You may have a child strung out, you may have a child that's drunk, you may have a child that lives a good moral life but just don't want anything to do with God or the church. You may have a child that don't want anything to do with your religion. But don't give up. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary and they shall walk and not faint. So I'm telling you right now, don't give up. If God said to go forward, he means to go forward. Your children are keeping you from going forward. If they're your Red Sea experience, you just stand up in the name of Jesus, stretch the rod of God out over that situation, declare your faith in God, trust Him, and God will take you through, and God will bring your children with you. Moses didn't cross by himself. The whole nation went across with him, and they rejoiced on the other side. They shouted and they praised on the other side. Miriam, the Bible says, got a tambourine. And she played that tambourine. And all the ladies danced with her and sang praises to the Lord. And they blessed the Lord because he threw the horse and the rider into the sea. I'm telling you, Berea Church of God, it's time to praise God for what he's going to do. It's time to praise God for what he has done. Because God is hearing our prayer. Now, I'm just going to be obedient. To God, if you are college age, if you're 25 or younger, let me do it like that. If you're 25 or younger, would you just come up here and stand in front of this church? 25 or younger.